glorious time to be walking with the Lord. Praise God for salvation, full and free. And uh, indeed, we can sing that hymn uh, with gusto. And uh, it's meaningful to us uh, because uh, something wonderful happened to us, something glorious happened to us uh, when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Maynard, Monica, thank you for the encouragement. Uh, indeed, thank you for the Lord and uh, his special way and how uh, he deals with us as uh, his people and indeed as his children. Second Chronicles, please, in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles, if you turn there. Uh, I do want to make a, a, a couple of uh, announcements, of course. Um, pray for Joshua. Joshua is in uh, South Australia, in Adelaide. Uh, it's a uh, school holiday, so he's making... Um, this is the time that he um, takes uh, preaching engagements because his uh, responsibilities here are on recess, but he'll be back, um, I believe, tomorrow. Do pray for him that the Lord would use him as he's speaking in a camp uh, there in, um, in South Australia. And also, um, you know, when I came to this country in 1992, uh, there were people, saints and sinners alike, who helped me and my family get set up. Uh, we came with uh, very minimal uh, wares, um, a limited amount of funds, and people were being great to us, generous to us, uh, helped us along the way. And uh, uh, we try our best to do the same for those that are in need. Um, and so um, Church um, Sophia's uh, uh, cousin has uh, moved here from uh, New Zealand, uh, and they have some needs. Uh, they're, they're, they're believers. Um, they've now moved to Australia. Uh, they've found a place, I believe, uh, where they need our help. So uh, just like what we did with Joshua, perhaps, some little pots and pans and um, uh, appliances that just sitting in your garage that are not being used. Uh, would you coordinate with uh, Sophia and, and Joshua and find out what the need is? And if we can uh, fill that need, I'm sure it will be a, a blessing. Okay. So um, uh, this is an opportunity for us as a church to manifest our um, generosity and our goodness to those that are of the household of, of faith. So. Uh, Sophia and Joshua will uh, be able to give you some more details in regards to them. Second Chronicles, please. And this morning as we continue, uh, indeed, to celebrate our 50th uh, anniversary year, uh, our year of Jubilee, as I've uh, mentioned uh, last uh, Sunday, uh, and today being the first Sunday uh, of uh, our 51st year as a church, uh, I asked myself, and uh, I really would like to encourage uh, us on this thought in a form of a question, what now? What now? I said last Sunday that we will continue to live out our vision as a church. Uh, that is, of course, uh, to exalt, first and foremost, to exalt our Savior, Jesus Christ. Second is to edify. That means to equip the saints. And that's why we do Sunday school. That's why we do preaching. Uh, that's why we do Bible studies uh, and, and all of that from uh, as young as uh, uh, little ones uh, until we are old and uh, until we get home to glory. We 
try to edify uh, the saints. And then thirdly, and by no means less of a priority, is to evangelize the sinners out there in this fallen world of sin. That's true. That's what we're going to do on our 51st year and, and onwards until the Lord calls us home in glory. But my dear ones, if we are to continue to live out our vision, if we are to continue to live out our purpose and purposes for the Lord individually and corporately as a church, let us consider what now? What do we do now? We had a wonderful time of celebration. We've uh, uh, attempted to put some spiritual initiatives on the lead up to this uh, anniversary that we have. So what now? That's the title of our message this morning. What do we do now as a church? Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, I trust that will give us some guidelines here. Would you stand with me please? Second Chronicles chapter 20 in the Old Testament. And uh, once you found your spot, if you could just stand and we'll read the first four verses and then uh, we'll get along through the chapter. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning here in verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you once again for this privilege, and this opportunity to serve you in this way, to preach your living word, to preach the scriptures that you have inspired men to write things that you wanted to be written. Oh, Father, I pray once again as I attempt to do justice to your word, to preach and teach it to your people. Oh, God, I ask yet again for unction, power from on high. Help me to preach accurately. Help me to preach compellingly. Oh, Lord, that we would make personal applications in these our lives for the principles that we will see. Lord, we would see the life of Jehoshaphat, or at least a portion of it, I pray, dear Father, that you'd allow us to see ourselves in the pages of your holy book this morning. Lord, uh, thank you. Oh, thank you for the 50 years that you've given us, that you've afforded us, and the great things that you have done in this assembly, in this church since 1973. And Lord, as we live out the visions of those ones that have gone for us, I pray, Father, that your will and way would be accomplished in us. Meet with us this morning, I pray. And again, if there's anyone here that have not yet surrendered their lives to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, 
the forgiveness of sin, and the prospect of spending eternity with you forever and ever. I pray, Lord, that that one and today may be the day of their salvation. And for those of us who have already made that profession, and as we await your imminent coming, I pray, teach us that small, still voice. May we be not just hearers of your word today, but, Father, that rather doers of it as well. We give you the praise, indeed the thanks, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. After this, here we find King Jehoshaphat and his people after his ungodly alliance with the wicked king Ahab. They were in trouble. This time from the Ammonites and the Moabites. And uh, we don't have time to... Uh, discourse uh, who the Ammonites and the Moabites are, but it's a good study for you to look uh, into and to understand uh, uh, who these people are. But they came to do battle with Jehoshaphat and his people. The Sunday before last, I preached on the church in troublesome times. I trust that you still remember that. Beloved, we had a wonderful celebration last Sunday. But I would like to remind you that we are still in a battle. A battle. Battle against sin and Satan. And just like Jehoshaphat was in his day. So what now? How do we as a church prevail against this uh, spiritual black battle, and indeed, some are physical battle as well. Well, firstly, as we did last Sunday, let us remember our past. Hmm. Let us remember our past. We as a church have a heritage of faith since 1973. And all of us in this room, whether it was actually here in this church or elsewhere, you also, like Jehoshaphat, had a past. From chapter 17 to 20 of Second Chronicles, we see Jehoshaphat's life uh, written for us for our learning and uh, for our consideration in the days and times that we're living in today. Oh, it's so relevant. And again, in your own time, it's a good study uh, to uh, read up on the life of Jehoshaphat. You see, Jehoshaphat started well. He came from a good breed with Asa, his father. He had a good background. He had a good beginning. And just a few pages back, please, to chapter 17, if you would turn there. Second Chronicles chapter 17. Uh, here in verse uh, uh, 3 and we read here and the Lord was with Jehoshaphat the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Baalim okay here we find uh, Jehoshaphat he, he, he walked in the first ways of his David his father that means his granddad grandfather David Hey, the first ways of David, 
Not the ways of David when he was an adulterer to Bathsheba. Uh, not when David uh, numbered the people out of pride. No. Uh, he didn't walk after Balaam, the Bible says here, uh, which many did during his time uh, in the life of the people of God, Israel. No, Jehoshaphat walked, the Bible says, with the first ways of his grandpa David. Grandparents, uh, this is for us. Uh, our, our little ones, uh, as they look upon us, as they run around the place, uh, in this church here, uh, you know, when they grow up, they would remember, Grandpa took me to church, if that is the case. Uh, grandpa and Grandma was faithful in the church. Here we find Jehoshaphat, he walked in the ways of his uh, Grandpa David. He sought the Lord, verse 4. Uh, Lord God of his father and walked in his. That means in God's commandments. Uh, look at verse 6. His heart was lifted up. Uh, that means it's not being proud. Uh, it lifted up in, in, in the ways uh, of the Lord being courageous and confident in the ways of God. So much so that he took away the high places, the high groves of uh, uh, paganism. Uh, these are the places of uh, images and pagan worship, uh, exactly what uh, uh, Maynard referred to as worshiping the statutes. Jehoshaphat got rid of all of that when he was king. And here in verse 7, we, we read, uh, also in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princess, even to uh, Ben-Hail, and to Obadiah, remember him, and to Zechariah, remember him, and to Nathaniel, or Nathaniel, and to Micaiah, or Micah, uh, to teach in the cities of Judah. Jehoshaphat sent teachers into the cities of to teach the people the ways of God. Wow, some king. At a time when there is so much of paganism and heathenism from the people of God. No doubt this man had a past. A wonderful and God-honoring past. A good beginning. Many of you here had good and wonderful beginnings. You were raised in a Christian home. The Bible was read in your homes. Hymns were sung. Your parents took you to church. You enjoyed church and the people that are in it. You were engaged. You were involved. You were serving. You were participating. You were actually interested in the lives of missionaries. You were sensitive to the leading uh, and prompting of the Holy Spirit. You were giving of your money, but more than that, you were giving of yourself. You had a past, a good past, a good beginning. And I'm concerned that that's exactly where it is right now. In the past. And because of that. Beloved in love. As always. Let me encourage you. What now? 
Are you going to continue to live in the past when you can actually live in the present and if God tarries, continue to live for him in the future? What now? Consider your past. Consider your beginnings. Follow me to verse 12, please. Uh, here we, we read, And Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store, and he had much business in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. Now go to chapter 18, please, just uh, perhaps a page in your Bible. And here in verse 1, now Jehoshaphat, chapter 18 now, had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Beloved, let this be a warning to all of us. This decision of Jehoshaphat to be aligned with Ahab the wicked king Ahab would not only affect him personally, but his children and his children's children. Talk about decisions that we make in our time. Not just affecting us, but the people we love generations after. Oh, fathers and mothers, the decisions that you're making today are not only going to affect you, but those that you love generations after. We find Jehoshaphat joined affinity. That means he made an alliance with this wicked king Ahab. From here on, it was downhill for Jehoshaphat. Look at uh, verse uh, 2. And he placed forces uh, in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities uh, of uh, Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. Uh, and uh, here we find, uh, sorry, um, in verse 2 of 18, and after certain years, I'm sorry, he went down to Ahab to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance, entertaining him, buttering him up, and all his, and things that uh, uh, he did. And for the people, not just him, that uh, were also with him, Jehoshaphat, and persuaded him to go up uh, with him in Ramoth-Gilead. And verse 3, And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, Notice, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. I am as thou art. And my people, your people. Uh, hang on a minute, was it? Haven't we just read who Jehoshaphat was? Uh, remember he walked in the way of his father Asa, uh, uh, doing which was right in the sight of the Lord. That's the language of the scripture. Remember he walked in the first ways of his grandfather David. Uh, he walked in the commandments of the Lord. Again, the language of the scripture there. He was confident. His heart is lifted up. He was courageous in the law. What happened? He got lost. How? He got lost 
with riches and honor and abundance got to him. It wasn't enough. He wanted more. He wanted more. He felt that he needed to have alliances everywhere without a doubt to have more. That's what happened in those days. You let your daughters marry uh, another king's son, so you're now part of family and you join forces and you join resources. He wanted more. It didn't matter where these alliances, whether they are ungodly, he was willing to lose his godly heritage. He was quite comfortable to be as they are and to be like them. Calvary Baptist Church, what now? Has riches and honor got to us? Because of it, we have turned to the right and to the left, perhaps, and we got lost along the way. Perhaps it actually wasn't riches that turned us. Perhaps it is relationships. That man or woman that we just can't give up. Perhaps it's Friendships. Perhaps it's rebellion to authority. Perhaps, perhaps it's refusal, refusal to godly counsel. Or perhaps ungodly, unholy alliances in our business deals and dealings. What is it? Remember our past. Remember our good beginnings. But we also want to finish well. Beginning is great. But finishing well is glorious. Back to chapter 20, please. Now that we understand the context of that after this, uh, now that we understand that uh, verse 1, what now for us after 50 years of God's faithfulness? And indeed the great things he had done. Not only will we remember our past, but we will, we must continue in prayer. Not just remember our past, but continue in prayer. E.M. Bounds said, every mighty move of the Spirit of God has had its source in the prayer chamber. Andrew Murray, the coming revival must begin with a great revival of prayer. It is in the closet where the, with the door shut that the sound of abundance of rain will first be heard. An increase of secret prayer with ministers will be the sure harbinger. That means forerunner or prelude to blessing. Prayer. I.T. Pearson said, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Sadly, we're more concerned about the voice than the voice of God. We look for all sorts of things. We trust in all sorts of people rather than trust the God who really owns the land. Who created the land. And he doesn't need to emerge. 
Like I said, he is eternal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and forever will be. Oh, beloved. Pray. Here in chapter 20, again, in verse uh, uh, 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none else is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear us and help. And now behold the children of Ammon uh, Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to us to inherit. Our God, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Here we find Jehoshaphat, and not just here, verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Did you get that? The entire family or families prayed for deliverance. When was the last time that you've gathered your children to pray together? So let them hear you pray. And then when God answers that prayer, there is nothing better, beloved, to prove to your children that God is real. That God is alive. For when you pray and when he answered and they realized that that was an answer prayer that is worth more than a Sunday school, a preaching time from me. Because it's real. Let them hear you cry. Let them hear you praise the Lord. Let them hear it for when they come of age themselves. They will know, my dad prayed for this and God answered him. And so I can pray for this because the same God that answered Jehoshaphat, the same God that answered Manny Malari, is the same God that will answer me now. Oh, beloved, prayer. And so... uh, Here in verse 4, notice it. They gathered themselves together. That simply means they were in a group. 
They turned up together. They are gathered together for a purpose. And why is that? To pray. Beloved, as I said, we as a church uh, are and will be going through some trouble sometimes ahead, no doubt. Uh, and I am not remotely inferring about the tribulation period, okay? That's different. We will be gone before then. But if we are to face up to the troublesome times of our day, we must face them in and through prayer. Notice verse 6 and 7. They were rehearsing. Uh, they were declaring the character and the power of God. And most importantly, their personal relationship with God. Listen, O Lord of our fathers, uh, art not thou our God? Some many personal pronouns there. Notice their declarations of God. He is the God of heaven. He is the ruler of kingdoms, of all kingdoms. There is power and might with him or in him. No one is able to withstand him. That's their prayer. They rehearse, they declare the glory of God. Thirdly, notice how specific their prayer was. Verses 10 to 11. Not only were they specific, notice how it was submissive they were in their prayer. We have no might against this company, they said. Uh, neither know we what to do. And I like this one. Our eyes are upon thee. In other words, they were trusting in him, looking unto him, and not to their own selves and their own abilities. Praise God. Jehoshaphat finally got it. He understood that his worldly alliances cannot help him. Uh, it cannot save him. Only his alliance to God could. Folks, we have a lot to learn about prayer. Amen. But would we practice what we learn? And practice it quickly? Please? Are you praying consistently? Are you praying regularly, my dear ones? If not, can we please start or restart depending on your situation? Pray for each other. Pray for one another. Pray for our church and all the other good and genuine uh, Bible-believing churches out there. Indeed, the genuine church of Christ and for Christ. Pray for them. Just crossed my mind. It's not in my notes. One of the preaching that I've really enjoyed and made an impact in my soul Pastor James O'Sullivan, a young preacher, a young pastor, younger than me, uh, he made a study uh, of all the, uh, what he would call genuine, perhaps uh, independent, fundamental Baptist churches. Uh, and he said, uh, Brother Branco, uh, the churches that are 50 years and over, they're all still standing. Well, at least majority of them. 
but 50 and under there's less and then he moved on to the pastors and to the missionaries of our own movement they're pushing 70 and 80 years old and if you've been in this NBF you would have seen a lot of gray hairs mine is just part there are plenty of people who have gray hairs they have walking sticks you talk to them over uh, breaks and uh, coffee and how are you brother oh you know and they tell you about their aches and pains brother James O'Sullivan again because he, he teaches in uh, uh, Sydney Baptist Bible College and so he knows some data there are almost no one of our young people that are going out to the mission he made mention I cannot remember the actual number now some 20 or so five uh, preachers two are back in Australia for medical reasons five or so have fallen into sin the rest are about 70 plus and over 80 in fact what he's saying is the churches in our movement unlike in the days gone by are not starting anymore what now Calvary Baptist Church we're one of those that are 50 over let's not drop the ball now oh god no not in our time if anything we pick up the ball and we run with it and we hand it over to those ones that will follow before us and us be found faithful in the Lord oh prayer pray pray in the closet Pray here in the church. I'd really like to see some more of you here on Wednesday nights. Pray in your car. Pray everywhere. Pray without ceasing for our church for yet another 50 years should the Lord tarries. Pray. What now? We remember our past. We will continue to pray. And thirdly, let us continue to trust and rest on God's promises. God's promises. Verse 14, uh, here we find, Then upon Jahaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid. Or nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Resting in the promise or the promises of God.
Here Jehoshaphat and his kingdom were under threat. But notice the response of God. Note his promise and promises to them. Verse 15. Be not afraid nor be dismayed about the great multitude. For the battle is not yours but God's. Verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Stand and see. See what? See the salvation. It means here victory, deliverance. Look at the second promise at the end of that verse. For the Lord will be with you. His abiding presence is promise. Uh, That's what they don't have to fear. That's why they don't have to fear nor be dismayed. Folks, I am convinced that as we had uh, as we had to some troublesome times in our day, as we consider what to do now after our 50th, I believe we are to rest, not distressed. Rest in the promises of God more than we ever did before as a church. Resting doesn't mean relaxing. It does not mean doing nothing. It doesn't mean being lazy. It means resting in the power and in the character and in the attributes of God. Notice verse 16. They were still to go down the battlefield. Did you see that? Verse 17, in the middle there, they are to set themselves. That means they fall in line. They face up to their enemies. They were to stand. You see, back then, warriors... uh, Uh, going to war, they need to turn up to the place and face up to each other. Unlike today, uh, battles are fought through a a, a push button, through long-range missiles. Not so during that time. You got to turn up. You're going to face up to your enemy. And so the encouragement here is for them to still go down the battlefield, to set themselves to face up to their enemy, and it's no different to us today. We're still fighting the battle with sin and Satan. we got to turn up to the battlefield. We have to face him up, not in our own abilities, but in the power of God Almighty. And through his word, which is our soul. They were still to go down. They still to set themselves and rest. In the promise that God gave to Jehoshaphat and all of Judah. That as they go and as they stand. As they set themselves up in war. They will see the salvation of the Lord. Oh beloved. The more I consider our troubled times. Troublesome times ahead. I can only claim this promise for us as a church. To rest in the promise of God. Same devil that uh, was uh, going against them at that time, just different face. That was the time of the Ammonites and the Moabites. Today, the face and the strategy of the enemy is still the same with just a twist. A different place, a different person, and a different procedure, if you like. But we need to set ourselves ready for battle. To be a good soldier of Jesus Christ and his cross. And be encouraged, beloved, that we are not to fight in this battle. We have to stand and see 
sit, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. His victory, his deliverance. By the way, that salvation, that deliverance is both prophetic in the millennial reign and in the present in the here and now. Aren't you glad? And so as we become witnesses to that, what do we do? Look at what Jehoshaphat and his people did in verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. You know, beloved, here we see the effects, the fruits of, the manifestations of resting in God. They prostrated themselves uh, before the Lord. And I believe we should. We prostrate in our hearts and perhaps even physically in your closet, in your study. Let your face fall on the ground and genuinely and sincerely cry out to the Lord. And it will do a difference in your prayer life, I can guarantee you. When you come before the Lord in all submission and humility, prostrating yourself to God, you'll never wonder. Your mind will not go into what to do next, uh, what are the plans and all these things, because you are fully focused in your prayer to the Lord. When I used to travel... During my time, one of my flights, uh, there was a Muslim man, and it's time for prayer. So he walked up uh, along the, the, the alley there, rolled up his carpet, and bowed his head and prayed before all of us. And that's a Muslim man who worships Allah, a false god. And here is Manny Malari. After a run, it's a New Zealand trip, Tim. I was so tired, I couldn't be bothered. But here is a man who believes in a false God and committed prostrating himself in prayer. Shame on me on that day. Prostrate can be done in our heart, sure. But perhaps... Just perhaps, every now and then, put your face to the ground in all humility and submission to the Lord. If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We can really finish here. And I think you would have gotten the point. There's one more thing that I believe we should all do as we live out our vision of and for the church, as we figure out what to do now after 50. And as we close, let us continue to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here in verse 19. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to Praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. You know, as I uh, 
reviewed our anniversary video. Did you like that, by the way? Do you want a copy of that? Uh, if, you, if you like, we can uh, send the link to you and access it, and you can keep it for file and watch it. I keep on watching it before Fiona finally showed it to you uh, and afterwards, and I'm still watching. I watched it again last, yesterday. I loved it. Thank you, darling. But as I reviewed those vid that video, there was a section there that Fiona entitled Memories. Memories of the past, and rightly so. But you know, Calvary Baptist Church, we are making new memories right now. All of you who are in the here and now, those of you that are still here from the past, and those of you who are new, we are all continuing to create memories, precious memories, right now. Right at this very moment. They're not here today, but Damir and Eunice, Luke and Susanna, Dr. Stephen, Priscilla, Nanai, and Lovely, Ben and B, Brother John Ferris, Brother John Rankin. Brother Kim, Kathy, we're making memories right now. Marvin, Jody, and now Maynard, Monica. She's not here today. Melissa, Angela, Liz, Ryan. And Eileen, who are in Japan right now. Sarah. Nareza. Oh, so, so many of you. We are making memories right now. What's next for Calvary Baptist Church for the next 50 years or so? If we have it to the Lord tarries, good and wonderful memories that we are creating. Lord willing, if in fact we have another 50, Brother Stephen, Karen, our children can see that. We have been found faithful in this church, in this time, in this our generation. And so in closing, perhaps you're here and you would rather forget your past because it is just too painful and full of burdens. Perhaps you're here because you want to change your dark past into a bright future. The Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to that dark past. A plenty of people in this room could testify of you're looking at one. Apart from the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would have continued to live in that dark, hard heart 
of this young man in Manila who was so angry with his circumstances, who had so many questions unanswered in his mind, who was so angry with the world and the God who created the world. I didn't choose to be born. Why am I here facing all of this? Oh, but that dark past has been transformed by the light of the world in the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ. Oh, perhaps you're here. Pastor, I would rather forget my past. It's so painful. I can understand. But you know, <laughs> you can't change the past, but you can change the future if you would but put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Perhaps that's you. If that's you, would you come and make that intention known? And I want to be given the opportunity to show you from the Word of God, not my opinion, not even my own experience, but what the Word of God says, how your dark past can be transformed into a bright future. Or perhaps you're here, you had a wonderful past, you had a wonderful beginning, you started well, but somehow you've allowed yourself with some wicked, unholy, ungodly alliances of your day. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is forgiving if you will but come and confess and repent and forsake the sin. And you will be restored into full fellowship. What now, Calvary Baptist Church? Well, same old, same old. Exalt the Savior, edify the saints, evangelize the sinners, remembering our past, continuing to pray, continuing to praise the Lord, and continuing to prostrate ourselves to Him, and indeed resting in the promises of God. Father in heaven, thank you. Oh, thank you that you are the God of our lives. Lord, indeed, we are full of praise for the last 50 years. And as we head off to our 51st year, this being our first Sunday of worship into uh, the beginning of our 51st year, Father, we pray that indeed uh, we would submit ourselves to you, consecrate ourselves to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to do good and great and wonderful things that you have done in this assembly. Oh, God, may we be found faithful to keep on keeping on, to soldier on, to keep on testifying of the good gospel of grace, to continue to edify uh, people in, 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 in membership, teach them your ways, disciple them, teach them your truth, love them, care for them, weep with them, rejoice with them, care for their needs and be a comfort and rejoice with them as well. Father, church is not just a normal gathering of people. It is a gathering of people to worship the one true God and that is you, our Savior Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for this time. May we not quickly forget what we are and who we are and what we are to do now as we await your coming again. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your hymnals, please, to hymn number 308, Higher Ground. <clears throat> 